Hi, this is Leah Lund. This episode of I Am Vibrant first aired as part of the New Human Conscious Leadership Summit. For more information, go to www.newhumansummit.com. And now please enjoy this episode. Hi, everybody. This is Leah Lund, and I want to welcome you to a very special session of the New Human Conscious Leadership Summit. I will admit I'm sitting here pinching myself a little bit because I am joined today by Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis. And what an honor it is. First of all, thank you both so much for making space in in your day, in your heart to be here with us. And welcome. It's a joy, Leah. It is. I'm glad to be here. So glad to be here with with you and with everyone who will be listening. Thank you so much. So I can't imagine uh, that anybody isn't familiar with your work, but but just in case, uh, Gary, you are a master spiritual teacher. You're an author of many books, many best-selling New York Times best-selling books, um, and have been teaching about authentic power and consciousness for, well, I know your first, I don't know how long, maybe that'll be my first question, but I know your first, uh, at least best New York Times book was the, was 1979. The Dancing right. Wheelie, yeah. Wheelie Masters, yes. Wheelie Masters, yes. Um, so for for a little for a little while, <laughs> you've been in this world, and then Linda, you were on your own path uh, in healing professions as well as a registered nurse and a doctor of chiropractic, yeah. and came across a book that I believe was the introduction, uh, my introduction to Gary's work as well. I'm I'm almost positive. It's hard to remember now, 20 plus years ago, but I'm sure it was probably through one of your 36 appearances on Oprah. I'm, I'm sure that's where I first was introduced to you, Gary, and then subsequently read Seed of the Soul, as did Linda. And then a couple of years later, you meet Gary and now, and then a spiritual partnership forms. What a, what a beautiful story that is. Can you, can you share a little bit more about that? Well, I can say, first of all, I read um, Gary's first book in 1979 when it was published. You did? Okay. The okay. Masters. Okay. So, uh, why I read it, I'm sure it was my intuition. I didn't know it at the time. But um, I I wasn't really particularly interested in physics at that time. But I read mm-hmm. the book and I was so excited about what physicists, not uh, because I'm, I'm not a scientist uh, or, in, or was not really particularly interested in that, a few, a few of the sciences, but not physics. But I read the book and I was so excited about it um, and excited about what physicists were were recognizing, that we're all connected, that we're all one and all of that and many things like that. And it was just written so beautifully. And then 10 years later, I saw Gary's name on a book in 1989 when it was the Seed of the Soul was first published way before Oprah. He was on it was on Oprah mm-hmm. um, about 10 years. It was not until about 10 years later that Gary was actually on an Oprah show. But um, yes, and then once I read it, it just really changed the way that I looked at everything. And I, I, I realized that I'd been supported and guided all my life. I didn't realize that until I read the book. He was talking about multisensory uh, perception and I realized, oh, this is why I'm recognizing this because I'm actually multisensory. And we all have people, all have guidance non-physical guidance. So it was really so wonderful to recognize that about myself and know that I'm a soul. And then when when the universe connected us a few years later, 
it was so exciting uh, to meet Gary and to begin to truly look at the parts of my personality that I hadn't looked at before and have a really beginning of a what we call a spiritual partnership. And um, we can talk more about that later in the in the uh, interview, but it's so nice to be here. I'm so glad to answer that question. Thank you. Thank you. And Gary, I am curious uh, if you would say words about a few words about just what this beautiful partnership has brought to your life and meant to you. That would take more than a few words. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, when I first met Linda, I was uh, push, pushed her away. We were at a retreat together, mm-hmm. and uh, I came to, I found her because I wanted, a friend asked me to deliver a message. Uh, she was a chiropractor, and he was in pain and wanted to, her to help him. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed um, that uh, there were so many new age people at this little retreat. It was close to Mount Shasta where I was living, and I knew most of them. And so uh, there was a lot of people wearing white clothes and giving long hugs, and and uh, I didn't want to hug Linda. And that was my first experience of her. I thought if I had been more aware at the time, I'd have realized she was the only person at the event that frightened me that much. Mm. <laughs> but we began to get to know each other over the event. We'd be put together in ways that were... Um, synchronous a friend would share her a a chair for her at an event a musical event in the night in the evening and I would go and a friend would save me a chair and our chairs were together and by the end of the event I was um, puzzled about how much Linda had become a part of my life at this little event and how much I really didn't really want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, at the end of the event, everyone uh, went to sit on play under a waterfall, and I said, "Let's, uh, you, you want to bring Linda?" And I thought, "No, not really. I don't. Why is everything Linda now?" <laughs> Boy, all signs are pointing. Yeah, <laughs> and and then she moved to Mount Shasta, where I live, which she'd uh, she'd previously planned to do, and we started to see each other now and then. Like she'd come over, I'd go over to her place in the afternoon. And sometimes they were comfortable for me and other times I was uncomfortable. And then after a while, I had this thought that I think I'm in a relationship because I'd never been in one before. Mm. Um, uh, I'd been a sexual addict a long time. Um, and uh, that was years before I met Linda, but I hadn't been in, I I never really knew what a relationship was. But I had the feeling that, uh, the feeling of connection that I had with Linda was part of that. And when she moved to Mount Shasta, it was also um, a new experience to me how, um, how happy I was to see her. She arrived with her dad and someone had helped her bring things up from San Diego. And she just filled me with delight to see that to see her again, and I hadn't thought of her that way at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
After a while, she went to Europe to be with a, a teacher there for a week or so. And while she was gone, I realized I wanted to live with her. I didn't want to live apart from her. Mm-hmm. She got back. She had had a similar experience. And so we moved into my small cabin. Um, she moved out of her small cabin and kept it, but still moved into my small cabin. And then we started our journey together. And that was a long um, time ago. A long time ago, maybe 93, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was thinking, beloved, when you were talking, I was thinking about some of the things that you said about being frightened um, and things like that. I was thinking about one of the things that Gary and I teach that, that, really changed my life was um, seeing myself as um, as a personality that had fear-based parts of my personality and loving parts of my personality. And that made such a difference for me because when I would have reactions to people, like Gary was talking about having a reaction, uh, not wanting to be hug me, or he was talking about a fear-based per- part of his personality that didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and also a few other things that he said, because to me, because I can tell the difference between fear-based parts, that's what I've been practicing and what I work on every day is uh, really looking, noticing when I have fear-based parts of my personality come up. For instance, when I first met Gary, uh, one of them that came up that was very strong in me, uh, because I thought, why is the universe, why? I knew I was being connected. You know, so, sometimes you know this person is really important to you and you just don't know why. Well, this was even stronger than that. I knew that. I Mm -hmm. didn't know why, but I also had fear-based parts of my personality come up that felt so inferior to Gary. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, he's written these, he's written the books that were, some of the books that were most important, especially The Seat of the Soul, Mm -hmm. important to me. So I thought, I don't understand why little me would be connected with why the universe would connect me. And so I, but then I realized, okay, I'm being given this opportunity. Clearly my intuition told me I'm being given this opportunity to be able to challenge that part of me that feels inferior so that I wouldn't have that barrier between me and, and Gary or anyone, <laughs> anyone. Yeah. And yeah. so I really worked on that uh, to change that in myself. And uh, Gary and I began working on that very much. You wouldn't just say that, beloved. We really looked at each other and um, and began to have what we call a spiritual partnership. Well, yes, we've been doing that for thirty or some years now. So that is working on it very much. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so you asked me what Linda's brought into my life, and it's a new dimension. You know, I, I love writing books. Um, but I'm, I'm not a writer. It's one of the things that I do, but I, but I do enjoy doing that. And, uh, um, I, as I got to know Linda, I realized that she communicates in a remarkable way. Uh, I communicate, she connects. Mm. And it was, uh, oh, a long time after we were together that, uh, I was, talking to her about how sometimes I found the way she was speaking obscure. She talked about he or she or it without talking about which she or he or it. And she just smiled. She said, beloved, language is my second language. <laughs> I don't know what she meant. 
She really connects. So when we give events together, uh, I love communicating. I love sharing the new consciousness that's now touching hundreds of millions of people. Mm. I enjoy uh, discussing the potential that this new consciousness has brought and mm -hmm. how it changes our perceptions of everything, everything. Mm -hmm. But when Linda, when Linda uh, speaks, she speaks in much more uh, personal terms and personal energy. And I appreciate that very much. And I feel that the people that are at our events do. Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel that I've uh, um, moved uh, to a certain extent toward her direction, mm -hmm. uh, which means I've discovered to my surprise along this path that I love people a lot. And I have a great deal of pleasure in interacting with them. But before, when I was writing this book on physics, that was the beginning of a journey. Mm. Yes. And a journey that um, brings together, and I love the intersection of spirituality and science. Um, it's entertaining. I, I find, I'm sure you think when science, you know, proves <laughs> what, what was centuries old uh, spiritual information used in different language and um so so i can so it's beautiful to see the progression you know that it started from a physics standpoint but oh, what a living embodiment of it now yeah it didn't it didn't start from a physics mm. standpoint and from my perception um um what's happening now is due and mm -hmm. a lot of it okay. is resonant with uh ancient knowledge that predates science mostly Aboriginal knowledge mm -hmm. and knowledge uh, quite old. But uh, I, when I was writing the first book about physics, I got invited to uh, meeting a physicist mm -hmm. at the Lawrence Berkeley Laboratory. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went because I wanted to see what a physicist looked like. And I was captivated by what they were talking about. They were talking about whether or not they were creating the reality they were experimenting with. And that uh, excited me so much. And I listened to their conversation. There was no mathematics. That day I happened to come, they were talking in um, qualitatively, in concept. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. And I uh, went back to San Francisco and my, I felt like I'd had three cappuccinos. I was just so excited. And I started buying used bookstores in Berkeley to see if I could understand some of the things that I'd heard because I could not articulate what I had heard and what was so exciting to me. And as things slowly began to, some things began to fall into place, I asked this group, it met on Fridays, if I could return and listen again and again. And they, all, and, and they agreed. And then I realized that I'm not going to be interested in science indefinitely. And I wanted to share everything I was learning with non-physicists, with uh, liberal arts majors like me. Mm -hmm. They didn't care for science and didn't know mathematics or wanted to. And so I wrote, I started writing this book, which got a wonderful story to it in, of, of its own. But I started, uh, I asked them if they would help me. And they said they would. And I said, yes, but there's one thing you've got to do. Get it right. 
get it factually, historically, conceptually accurate. I agreed, and uh, they started to comment on what I was writing. I was writing about a chapter a month. <coughs> Before I started, I wrote a ch an outline for each chapter and how they would all weave together. But I started writing the first chapter, and I immediately realized that it was going places that weren't in the outline. Mm. So I followed the energy. And in six months, the chapters were fitting together like I'd planned it, but I threw the, the outlines away. Wow. So I thought, how is this happening? Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized for the first time, really realized, I'm not writing this book alone. And I realized it's not possible to be alone. Mm. And this was my first experience of multisensory perception and uh, experience of non-physical reality in a way that was that I understood that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I, I I was so touched, not a pun. I was really touched <laughs> by what I was experiencing that I decided I'm going to live my life this way, the way this book is being written, which is spontaneously, intelligently, and joyfully. Hmm. And I have moved in that direction. And so, this is really, I would say, the origin of when I really began to write The Seed of the Soul. After that book got published, it won the American Book Award for Science. It was well-received. Wow. And people anticipated that I would follow it with a, a sequel. Mm -hmm. uh, like a, another fun, and, and this was fun to write The Dancing Willie Masters. That's why people read it, because it's a fun book, mm -hmm. even though it's about quantum physics. It was fun to write. It's, 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 an, it's a joy to read. Mm -hmm. And... The next book, to my surprise, was not that at all. It was a book about evolution, reincarnation, and the soul. And that was the seat of the soul. Mm -hmm. So the seat of the soul does not have any roots in ancient knowledge or in modern knowledge, such as in ancient wisdom or modern knowledge. Um, it has to do with um, realizing that we, by we, I mean the collective we now, all of our species, is in an unprecedented epic transformation of consciousness, of human consciousness itself. If we're about one generation into this and within several more generations, everyone will be multi-sensory, which means the new consciousness, not confined to the limitations of the five senses. That uh, is how that began. So I just wanted to clarify that I, uh, there isn't anything that empirical science can do to prove or disprove uh, mm. ancient knowledge. It comes close in many ways, but empirical science is five-century science. Mm. We are now, as the species, moving beyond the five senses. Mm. We are creating another science among many other social structures, the social structure of the science of the soul, put it that way. Mm. And, that's in, and, that, and that's in the latest book, by the way, which I offer to, your, to our listeners too. Yes, it's called, please. It's called Universal Human. It was published in uh, June 
this year, 2021, or probably be next last year by the time we're speaking. <laughs> right. It's, it's fairly new. So I recommend it to you because one of the chapters in it is the science of the soul. And among other things, it discusses our social structures and why they're disintegrating and where that fits into this larger picture of a new human consciousness and in reality, a new human species. And that's why uh, Linda and I wanted to share with you and be at your summit and contribute what we can because uh, one of the social structures that's being affected and they are all being affected because this is a human-wide yeah. transformation mm -hmm. is business, commerce. Mm -hmm. And it's an area of human endeavor like every human endeavor that is going to and is in the process of itself transforming radically, radically. So when we think of business, it's a new it's a new experience now. Mm -hmm. It's a sensory experience. All the values have changed. All the ways of going about it have changed. The intentions of it have changed. And when we talk about leaders, that's changed too. Um, I met I helped a Hopi elder once in Mount Shasta. His name was Thomas Banyalka before he passed on. Yeah. He came to share Hopi wisdom, what the Hopi elders had told him. And the Hopi elders told him to tell us and to tell us that now it's the time to hear it. And there's some of that in Universal Human too. A, a, a little vignette about Thomas. Um, and one of the things, one of the many things he told us that the Hopi elders told him to tell us was, do not look outside yourself for the leader. Hmm. Creating authentic power, the new understanding of power, is becoming the authority in your own life. And now, all of us, there are hundreds of millions of people touched by the new consciousness, and more than that that haven't been, because this is a several generations transformation, which self, by the way, is faster than an eye blink in the evolutionary, prior evolutionary scale of human consciousness, which is about 300,000 years. Mm. This is happening fast, very fast. Mm. And we are all being touched by it, and we will all be touched by it within a few more generations. So now, this is what we're talking about. When we're at a summit for business leaders, everything has changed. Business, leadership, community, relationship, religion, nation, culture, ethnic groupings, gender. And it's in this new context that Linda and I have come to share what we can. And by the way, I, 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 I speak for Linda in this, I know. Mm. Um, we don't suggest that any of your viewers or you take anything that we say is true just because we say it. And in fact, we suggest that you not. We suggest that you see what you resonate with, if you resonate with any of this, and then experiment with that in your life. And if it produces something that's valuable for you, experiment some more. <laughs> and if it doesn't, let it go. Don't try to wear a shoe that pinches. And um. <laughs> we also suggest that you use that same approach to everything that you hear. 
Don't take anything that anyone tells you is so because they say it, because they've been on television, because they've written a book, because they have a pulpit. Experiment with it yourself. See it for yourself. And so that's what we're sharing with you now and in the context of this wonderful summit that that you have put together. Thank you. Thank you. Um, The question that comes to mind that I think the audience would have as well is, you know, when you talk about leadership changing, business changing, how how, uh, is it changing at the highest levels? And, And this will probably get into the natural order of things when something falls apart. I guess it's our ego, right? Fights. It intensifies and holds on a little bit more, but we could, one could look around right now and, and feel like, wow, I don't know. I don't know if I see that multisensory consciousness, um, very evident in, in the highest levels of business right now in the highest levels of government right now, religion organizations. Do you feel that it is making its way to the top? I feel that the top is disintegrating. It's crumbling. Mm -hmm. It's not organizations that are transforming. It's individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, Organizations cannot cannot, uh, transform. They can change. They can shift. But human consciousness can transform. I was mentioning to you earlier that Linda and I have just come from a gathering, a CEO summit of the uh, conscious capitalism uh, nonprofit corporate uh, organization, and it really changed my understanding of what some people in business are really doing. Now, these are not people in large multinational corporations. Uh, these are purely without wisdom, without compassion. They're purely predatory. They're destructive. They're dangerous. They produce heinous. Some of the largest multi. I'm talking about the big ones. Yeah, big ones. Multi, not, and most multinational corporations. Most. So I went to this thinking in terms of uh, what is the worst of business: Monsanto, Nestle, uh, Bayer, those that exploit, those mm-hmm. that give nothing, that profit. And by the way, every corporation is mandated by law to do that, to maximize profit. Mm. What I found at this gathering, which is mostly of middle-level organizations where the founder is still is still there. Mm-hmm. They're not run by professional CEOs. Mm-hmm. And they are people. And I found wonderful things. Um, and these are the people that we're going to be working with now. And so the answer to your question is, yes, in some ways... The top levels of business are beginning to shift, but that would mean that the people in those levels are beginning to shift. It's very difficult for them because they are confined by what's required by law, by their board of directors, and in particular, by their investors. But nonetheless, change is happening. Take business, for example. In the last 10 or 20 years, socially responsible investing has become a mainstream activity. That means that people don't want to invest in companies that are being socially irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So they're telling their more and more. Yes, That's more true. and more. Yeah. So yeah. they're so they're telling their investment advisors, do not invest in companies that harm, that do harm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, in the last 10 years or so, or maybe more, another kind of investing has emerged called impact investing. Impact investing goes beyond do no harm and into do good. Mm-hmm. Invest our money in corporations that are doing good in their community, for their employees, mm-hmm. for the environment, for everyone that they're connected with. In other words, investors who used to be united unconsciously in greed are now uniting consciously with a focus toward constructive contribution. And this is affecting business. And you are hearing, we're seeing businesses like uh, John Mackey put together uh, the Whole Foods uh, company. And he's also partly largely responsible for conscious capitalism. So the answer is yes, but there's no organizations with a top and a bottom that are hierarchical Mm -hmm. or leftovers from the old consciousness that is limited in its perceptions to the five senses. The new intention of business, in my opinion, that's emerging is remarkable. It's the intention of pure service. The old intention of business was to generate profits from providing goods and services. The new intention of business is to provide goods and services that are made possible by profits. In other words, to give instead of to take. Mm. This is emerging like grass in the spring everywhere, including in the realm of commerce and business. Indeed. That's such a beautiful way to say it, grass in the spring, the freshness of that. And and I know that our audience here um, primarily would be the middle-sized businesses, in some cases the solopreneurs, uh, you know, the coaches, the healers, those who have come from um, healing modalities and practice healing modalities and are trying to find their way in, well, how, how do I make this uh more available to people. Therefore, now I'm running a business and I'm a business person, even that, though that's not what I set out to be doing. So I can only imagine um, how refreshing that is for them to hear as well, because that's how, how the, what the inclination is already. Yes. But thank you so much for that. These people are we're also in the realm of our um, co-creators at, on this call. Mm-hmm. They're in mid-cap corporations or companies. Mm-hmm. And they are not, um, um, they are not using the transformation of consciousness, even though they don't, might not be thinking of it in those terms, but some of them are, uh, but they're not uh, thinking about doing good because that's good for business. They're doing business to do good. I don't know if, yeah, if I said many, that in a way that's many, clear. We saw many examples yeah. of that, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so say that one more time and then yes. maybe expand a little bit. Uh, with larger corporations, what I see is that uh, the goodness that they project doesn't go far beyond the PR department. Mm. In other words, uh, large corporations now say that they're community conscious, they're green. They're interested in the earth. They're interested in sustainability. That's what their PR department is interested in projecting. 
Mm-hmm. But the people that we're talking about, and I believe the people that will be at your conference if they're mid-cap and mm-hmm. unaware mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm. are actually interested in that reality, in contributing what they can, and using the modality that they love, if they're entrepreneurs or if they're in business, to contribute constructively and consciously to a new world that's emerging. And that yeah. is heroic. Yeah, it is. And I, I think the thing that's probably the reason mm-hmm. that you asked us to be on this, this show would be my guess, would be, well, how do you do that? How do you do that all the time? Because, I mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. what Gary and I have been talking about and teaching about for a really long time. Because you can say you want to do good in the world, but if you have fear-based parts of your personality that you're not aware of, that you're acting from, <clears throat> Then you you won't be doing good in the world, even though you, even though that that's what you think you want. So we teach people simple tools to be able to tell the difference between love and fear, and hmm. that's really important. I mean, it, it seems like um, well, I would know the difference between love and fear, right? No, that's not actually true because a lot of times. Um, fear-based parts, because I, I feel like everyone, and like Gary said, remember, don't believe everything we say, try it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I believe everyone, and Gary and I both teach, that that every personality in the Earth School, everyone on this Earth, has fear-based parts of their personality and loving parts of their personality. But most people don't know that the fear-based parts of their personality are are something that they can actually change. For instance, when I when I felt inferior, when I said earlier that I met Gary and I felt inferior, I thought, well, I, I just am that way. That's just mm-hmm. the kind of person I am. I'm just not, you know, just not equal to every person. And that's what I what I felt. But when I realized that was a part of my personality and it felt that way, but I didn't have to feel that way. And I started changing the parts of my personality that I began to recognize as fear-based, for instance, uh, parts of the personality that feel jealous or feel upset, or that I always have a choice, that when I feel upset or when I feel jealous or when I feel in fear, it has nothing to do with the other people. It has to do with nice. Yes, yeah. and changing myself. And so we teach simple tools to be able to do that. We teach about emotional awareness and responsible choice. We teach about um, opening to your intuition and being able to tell the difference between your intuition and fear, things like that. I mean, that. in fact, if, you know, if anyone's interested, we, we, we were, it's so interesting what we decided to do because of uh, this uh, COVID, everything that's been going on with the virus and what we've had to do, how we've changed our lives, we changed everything where we um, have been doing live online events rather than physical events. I think we may go back and do some of those, but, but we're so excited by the results that we've had and that we can reach such a, a much larger audience <coughs> globally to support people in what we're teaching that's very simple, but it also takes a lot of practice. Not only does it take practice, but it takes other people to be working with you. And so what Gary and I call it is spiritual partnership. And I know we talked about that earlier, um, Leah. So we, Gary and I have been in a spiritual partnership for all the time, a partnership between equals mm-hmm. for the purpose of spiritual growth. So in other words, the reason I'm in a relationship with Gary is so is is um, I, a spiritual partnership with Gary is so that 
I can grow spiritually and it'll help me with that, but I can also support him. And it's not just couples. We're talking about everyone in your business. We're talking about everybody you have contact with. You can, and not everyone will want to be a spiritual partner, but the people who do, especially the people you work with, you want to have relationships. If you want to have a business that's based on doing good in the world, then you're going to need not only to change yourself, Uh, and be able to tell the difference between love and fear in you and choose love, even when you have fear, but you'll also want to have that with the people that you work with. And Gary and I just love that because we have people in our lives that are our spiritual partners that are the deepest in our work. They, you know, they, they want to learn about themselves. I want to learn about myself. So we have this very different kind of a relationship with people that we work with, the people that will in our lives generally, but but I'm, I know that we're we're talking about you know talking maybe talking to people that are working with people and maybe they're not very happy with the people they're working with, but they need to look at is that does that have to do with them, you know mm-hmm. does that have to do with me or is that having to do with the other person to be able to tell the difference between that and making the good decisions, making healthy decisions toward love rather than fear. And so it's it's an ongoing and deepening process that Gary and I have been in for a long time. And so we so we created, we decided to create this whole um, online, basically ecosystem to be able to support people in no matter where they are. Mm-hmm. And it's not, they don't have to come into a, you know, so for, all of 2022, we've got several, like four different courses that we're doing and, and other things that we're doing. And, and beyond that, we'll do that. But we just are so excited about that because we can reach so many more people. And it's it's just, um, it's very uh, enriching to know or exciting to know that we don't have to be in a physical space with someone to feel a connection with them and, yeah. and we can go deep into what we need to. And I, I, I imagine you've seen that too, Leah. I imagine. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad that, that you are doing this. And I really appreciate Linda that you, you know, you answered the question of how <laughs> the how, and just going back to something Gary said of organizations Mm-hmm. Um, aren't aren't really what changes. It's the individuals that change. And I have to say throughout this whole series that has really come up that that's, that's the first and maybe perhaps <laughs> most powerful step of leadership is that turning inward and that looking I- internally to ourselves and what are we experiencing and sensing and feeling and how can, how can we allow not only the space for us to discern that, Am I in love or fear? I, I come back to that because it's to me, it just puts me straight of what is it I'm examining here? It's one or the other. It can't be both. So what's right. happened? What's going on? Um, and then not only make the space for us to and and allow that within ourselves, but then make that space for others to have that time as well and space to step back and, and discern it. And um, your spiritual partnership guidelines, I was sharing with both of you. Um, before we even started recording here, like this is a piece of paper that I have with me. <laughs> it's never very far. Um, and I use it in my business and I use it in my relationship and I use it with my um, parents and my friends and my family because it really is an outline of how to yeah. be in relationship with each other, yes. acknowledging our, our multisensory and beyond consciousness. Um, 
Were you going to say some add something to yeah, that? Yeah, I was so. going to say sometimes we call that um, authentic power guidelines and spiritual mm-hmm. partnership. Either way, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is about how you create authentic power yourself. It's also how you are can be in spiritual partnership with someone else. Mm-hmm. And anyone can get that for free on our, our website. Just go to seedofasoul.com and yeah. you can get those, you know, down those those guidelines. Because I, I really feel, like you said, they're so important, aren't they, Leah? And I love her- hearing you say that because um, I know that many people have it up on the refrigerator or keep it, you know, with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and it's really it's really helpful to have some guidelines. And basically, those guide- it's basically about the first part of the guidelines or first section is all about um, your making spiritual growth your highest priority. Because once you do that, then there's so many things that you can begin to do in your life. You And the next part is about courage. And it's mm-hmm. about being able to say, take responsibility for your own actions and be able to say things that are hard to say that you would have kept hidden before. Mm-hmm. Also, um, compassion is the next one and then the next section and then another section is about how you actually consciously communicate with other people and Gary and I uh, that came together that those whole set of guidelines came together because of Gary our exploration with spiritual partnership and authentic power ourselves it's so amazing yes, yeah so amazing well I with um, I was mentioning so I, I referred to these often. They were a huge influence on our vows. My, my spiritual partner, partner, I call him KSP, key, key spiritual partner, mm-hmm. uh, and myself when we joined 14 years ago. Uh, this was a huge influence to our vows. Uh, it was it was aspirational in hindsight. We've grown into it and still are, and I think always will be. Um, and every time I look back at them, something stands out. And for whatever reason, today, under the compassion area, what stood out to me was release any distance I feel from anyone. Mm. And when I think about some of the divisiveness that seems to be intensifying in our world, in our, in our country, but, you know, I, I'm not limited to... Um, how how can we take these guidelines and use them to truly create more unity in our world? You need to become aware and we'll tell you exactly what it would be good to be aware of mm-hmm. and create more unity in yourself. Mm. What do I mean by that? Mm. <clears throat> Linda mentioned that every personality, which means everyone on the earth, has both fear-based and love-based parts of their personality. This is a multi-sensory perception. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's been known for a long time that personalities have different components. Mm-hmm. But it's only with multi-sensory perception that the larger a larger picture, a perspective, mm-hmm. emerges in which knowledge of those components, not in terms of psychoanalyzing them, not in terms of dissecting them, not in terms of immobilizing them by using physiological modalities, but of becoming aware of them, which means aware of your emotions. To create authentic power requires the heart. That means emotions. So to become aware of your emotions so that you can distinguish those that are fear-based and those that are love-based. Those that are fear-based come to us as experiences of resentment, competitiveness, jealousy, 
anger, frustration, impatience, superiority and entitlement, inferiority and need to please, every compassion, every every compulsion and obsession and addiction. All of those are expressions of fear. How about this, Blivet? I was thinking of some that I work with um, mm-hmm. in myself, feeling stressed, feeling overwhelmed, mm. sadness. I mean, there are so many things that we don't usually necessarily think of as fear. We think it's caused by outside of us. But mm-hmm. actually, anything that I react to, no matter what it is, I have to keep looking inside myself, feel the physical sensations in my body and notice if they're painful or not. And that's that's what we call emotional awareness, to be aware of if you have painful sensations in, in your energy centers, which are chakras. Um, people in the East, they call those chakras. And, um, and that's so important. And also even notice thoughts because you can notice thoughts. Is this thought, and I, I'll say, I used to say to myself all the time, is this thought coming from a loving part of my personality? I don't think so because it's judgmental it, about myself or other people um, or it's uh, feeling negative about things. The glasses have empty. Even sometimes the glasses have full. It can be like so much optimism that it's not really feeling what's really going on. So there's just so much. So it's so deep what, you know, what we're, you know, what you can learn about yourself by noticing what's happening in your body. So we'd suggest uh, that you never repress or suppress mm-hmm. or deny an emotion, but the opposite, that you really experience, that you develop emotional awareness. And there's a book called The Heart of the Soul, Emotional Awareness, which is mm-hmm. a how-to book. And mostly it reminds you to put your attention inside yourself when you're angry or upset. Take it away from the external world, put it inside yourself and see what physical sensations you are finding in certain areas of your body, like your throat, chest, and solar plexus. And you'll find when you're in a fear-based part of your personality, they hurt. They physically hurt. They stab, sting, burn, throb, ache, churn. And at the least feel uncomfortable, right? In the very least, at least they feel uncomfortable. Um, they feel bad, I feel uncomfortable. But your awareness of them at first may be small. Right. right. Yeah. As, you're aware, as you develop your awareness, you'll see that the energy in these emotions is not small. It's big. It shaped your life. It shaped everything destructive and painful mm-hmm. in your life. That's right. And until you become aware of it, so that you can consciously challenge it. It will continue to do that. And the next part of uh, creating authentic power is to use your free will. That is, once you can distinguish within yourself the difference between love and fear, which Linda has just mentioned, if love or those love-based parts come to you as experiences of gratitude and sharing and contentment and patience and awe of the universe. And the physical sensations feel good. You want more of them. And when you act on them, they create constructive, healthy, grounded, contributive consequences. So creating authentic power is being able to distinguish between those two, between love and fear, and choose love no matter what's going on inside of you, such as rage or anger or depression or mania, and what's going on outside of you, like another 9-11 event or a global pandemic, and choose love. You do that by becoming emotionally aware 
And if it's a frightened part of your personality that you're feeling because it's painful, mm-hmm. in that moment, reach for the healthiest part of your personality you can access. Reach for a part that's graceful or grateful or appreciative or patient or content. And if you can't, you just rem- re- remember that you have felt those ways in the past. Mm-hmm. Turn yourself toward that energy. Because where your attention goes, you go. And as you do that again and again and again, the fear-based parts of your personality begin to lose their control over you. They still come, but they don't penetrate as deeply. They roll off your back like water off feathers of a duck. And love begins to enter your awareness in more and more ways. This is the creation of authentic power. This is our new evolutionary modality. It doesn't have to do with business or government at the highest levels. On the contrary, from a five-century perspective, the most significant events are the largest. They involve the most people. From a multi-century perspective, uh, they are the least significant because there's no spiritual dimension to them. Smallest interactions and events are the most important because they are the places that we grow. Just as Mother Teresa said, we cannot do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Mm-hmm. And she did. And she now, did. Mm-hmm. Now that is what's happening to hundreds of millions of humans. And many of them are in the social structures of commerce and business. That is the grass growing in the sidewalk. So if until you create authentic power, and I'm speaking to everyone now, not just you, of course, mm-hmm. you will be pursuing external power, trying to change the world. And that does nothing to the world because the world's built on external power, the world that we've inherited from a five-century species. And as you change yourself, you contribute differently to the world. And and so the details of love are important. And as this emerges in individuals, so also emerges the outlines or the energy of new social structures that are replacing the older social structures that are based on external power and the perceptions of the personality. And the new emerging social structures are based on multi-sensory perception and the intentions of the soul, harmony, cooperation, sharing, and reverence for life. And if you want to see if it's emerging in the world, look inside you. Mm-hmm. You'll see that, yes, it is. There's a strong pull to it. And that means that there are millions of individuals who are now becoming yes. spiritual in a world that, for the most part, doesn't yet recognize spirit. And now the question is, what shall I do? What can I do? This is what so many of us are asking ourselves right now, and I believe it's the impetus for this this event that you've created. Mm-hmm. So, um, become emotionally aware. 
practice responsible choice. Choices that create consequences for you, which you're willing to assume responsibility. If you're running a business with 800 employees, yes, it can affect 800 employees. Mm. But whether you're a farmer in a rice field or a business person in Germany or a mother in Mexico, these decisions that you make in the intimacy of your experience to choose love instead of fear are big choices mm. from a multi-sensory perspective, from the perspective of your soul. They're the choices you were born to make. Mm -hmm. And then you can begin to contribute in whatever area of endeavor your passion is leading you to, whether it's business or commerce or education or health or parenting or carpentry or <laughs> jurisprudence or science. And then you can really be an activist. Until then, you can. You'll be pursuing external power. You'll be trying to change mm -hmm. others. You're an environmental activist, you're a political activist, or you're a social activist, or you're a business activist. But that activity is to change behavior if in it, other people. If it is, right? If, if it is. If you're intentional. I'm looking at most of the PACs and most of yeah. the NGOs mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. change the world. And their causes are good, but their intention has not been thoroughly examined. Mm. When you do something that you feel is good, but you find that the reason you're doing it is to feel better yourself because you're doing it, that intention comes from fear. And now the only intentions that will change the world in a way that can actually change it are intentions of love. Yes. But you have to understand what an intention is. It's a quality of consciousness. And that quality of consciousness, not the word and not the action, is what creates consequences is what you contribute to the world. Yeah. And if you're in business, then I invite you to consider these things and see how you can apply them. First, you can apply them with the people around you, whether it's your family or the people at work. But if you're at work and you're fenced in by your image of yourself as a superior or a boss, well, this is where your work is. Our friend Ram Das once said, I intend for my life to be a statement of compassion and wisdom. And where it's not, there lies my work. Yeah. Well, there lies mine. Yeah. All, of all of us. All of us. Whether you're in business or you're just working with your family because you're homeschooling a child. Doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's cool. a joy to talk with you, Leah. I, like, I feel likewise. Like forever. Um, Absolutely. And this, but this has really been a, to me, a masterclass of all masterclasses. Mm -hmm. And I think this will be one I know for myself, I'll speak for myself, but probably many in the audience will listen to over and over and over. Um, because such wisdom you've shared today, it's, it's incredible. It's inspiring. It's, it brings hope mm -hmm. and I feel it, you know, I feel it with all those words, it sinks in and I feel it. Hmm. Thank you so much for inviting us, Leah. Yeah, really it's, it's, a, it's a real here. joy to be able to share with you and and in this summit. Yeah, it's a joy Thank to meet you. you, a joy to share with you. It's so inspiring to me that you that you're um, using our our guidelines and um, even with your uh, partner and um, that you've been married and use those guidelines. It's just so 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 special um, to know that 
it, it's always good to hear about how we're using things in our lives that are really supporting uh, us in our growth. And that's really why we all are here, aren't we? To support each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, and, uh, and as far as your courses and other resources that you have, it is seatofthesoul.com. Is that the best place for people yes, to go? Is. Okay. And we'll, like, we'll, like what you sit on. Yes. <laughs> and, we, and we'll have that right next to the video too. Oh, wonderful. And also, I say to all the people who are listening to us live or on recordings, it's real joy. It's a real joy to be a part of your life, and uh, and I hope that what we have shared is something worth your consideration. And if it is, that you'll experiment with it. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Thank well, thank you. you again. It's been mm-hmm. a real joy to be with you, and all Likewise. of you. Yeah. yeah. For everyone Bye. who's been listening, I'll be with you next time. Bye for now. 